0: What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner the Indiana Pacers. you listen to the Peace
1: Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. And thankfully, our intro remains intact for another, at least another season. Miles Turner signs on for an extension that will pay him about double what he's getting right now this season, about $20 million next season, about $20 million the year after that with a slight decrease. And all of a sudden, one of the major pieces that dominoes that had to fall for the Pacers over the last couple of weeks until the trade deadline, it it went early and the Pacers don't have to move their franchise center anymore. He's locked in for this season, plus another two. Alex, I've got to start with you. You've done a bit of work for Miles uh, on Instagram. He obviously likes all your videos. You've interacted with him. We've always been gigantic supporters of Miles Turner on this show. We've had a very, very clear bias towards Miles for multiple reasons, including the fact that he did our intro, including the fact that he's shown great loyalty to the franchise in the face of some really pretty tough circumstances. What does this extension mean to you?
2: To be honest with you, happy for both sides, because as a Pacers fan, I was of the mind that, you know, we obviously couldn't lose Miles for nothing as much as I love watching him on the Pacers. But for Miles, as you kind of said there, he gets a big bonus this year, which is I, I kind of rationalize it as okay, that's like two million dollars for every year he's been here, right? 16, yep. 17 million. And then, as you said, kind of like Buddy Heald's contract, it goes down. So it's a win for the Pacers, team-friendly deal. But, look, for Miles, I mean, it's uh, it's been tough for him, I think, the last three years. He's played power forward on offense, which is not his position. He's rolling more now. He's having career year across the board, 17 and a half a game. I mean, this is really like what we envisioned for him, right, When when he was younger in his first two years, being this – two-way guy who's he's almost shooting forty percent from three while averaging seventeen and a half a game. Like there aren't many centers in the East that's been better than him this year. So I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got the payday. And uh yeah, I mean now you have Mather and Miles and Halburn, right? Like those are your three guys. KP kind of talked about that at the presser. Those are kind of the three guys that are the pillars now as before.
1: Justin, we've spoken about for the last month, the possibility of moving miles if he didn't agree to an extension. We thought that he wouldn't agree to an extension. It seemed like he wanted to explore his options, but, you know, 60 extra million dollars over three years, including what he already gets this year. So that brings it to about 80 over three years for him. Hard to pass up. I mean, this seems like a friendly deal for both sides, as Alex has said, and one that You know, allows us to keep the intro, which is great, but uh, just good solid foundation for the franchise moving forward that that's a position they don't have to worry about filling.
0: Yeah, it's a big win-win for both sides, isn't it? I feel like when the news broke through Wozier, it was a bit, you know, I didn't really know what he meant with the contract and I was like, wow, is Miles getting 60 more million dollars? But then Shams kind of broke it down and made a bit more sense and um, yeah, I think it's a huge win. I don't think any pacer fan really thought Miles was going to be a long-term pacer after Media Day. Just seeing the interview when he was getting asked by reporters, like, "No, nah, I'm not talking about it after today." You know, there's always those warning signs when a play in esports says, "I'm not talking about it the rest of the year." You kind of read between the tea leaves what that means, but um, and then obviously he jumped on the Woj pod and you know he mentioned the Lakers thing. I know people read probably a bit more into it than they should have. But all the signs were he wanted to explore free agency, which I thought he would. Um, but yeah, obviously playing with Tyrese and this young core, he mentioned after a game to Jeremiah Johnson, he can see this team, you know, building something special. He obviously meant that, but he wouldn't resign here for two more years if he didn't feel that. So I'm extremely happy. Like you mentioned, Adam and Alex, we're, we're all big Miles supporters. Um you know, he's done great by us. He's, you can just tell he's a really good person. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, Alex, you mentioned, well, he's the first pacer to extend a rookie contract since. Is Jeff Foster?
2: Yeah, I had to do some deep, deep research on that one. <laughs> but but after his rookie extension, I think it is Jeff Foster, which was <laughs> 12 years ago. It's been 12 years since a pacer's draft he signed after his rookie extension, which is insane wow. to think about.
1: It's crazy. I mean, you you think about all of those rookie extensions that we've handed out to, you know, the uh, Grangers of the world and uh, Jermaine O'Neal and, you know, all those PG. sorts of guys. What's that?
2: PG as well.
1: PG, obviously. You know, he, he was, I think, 96 million for five years um, and all of them left. So... I think the loyalty to the franchise obviously sticks out for the three of us. And we've all tweeted about it during the week and just the, the overall approach for this franchise to prioritize signing miles. It was clear when they obviously uh, traded Domas and were able to get Tyrese that they saw a future with miles at center. So it was a matter of securing that future. And now you've got kind of your, your point guard, your shooting guard and your center of the next three seasons or the next two and a half seasons. With two other sort of spots up for grabs in this starting five to create the makeup of a playoff side. So you've got Chris Duarte, you've got Buddy Heald, you've got uh, Jalen Smith, you've got uh, Aaron Neesmith, you've got so many guys on the roster that are kind of vying for those two, effectively two forward positions with no real sort of front runner to secure their place in the team the next two seasons. Buddy Heald is obviously a walk-up starter in one of those two spots, but hasn't really cemented his place alongside the other three guys as franchise cornerstones. And with the age of the two backcourt guys and Miles still being relatively young, I mean, we have to look at the small forward and power forward positions over the next little bit, and that leads me to the... Potential trade rumors, I think it was Jared Vanderbilt and then Jalen McDaniels of Utah and Charlotte, respectively. Um, did I say Jalen or did I say Jaden? I always get the two mixed up. It's, uh, how can you How can you do that one-letter difference? Uh, pretty much the same position on two different teams. But those guys have been rumored as Pacers' targets. John Collins has been rumored as a Pacers' target over the journey. So they're clearly trying to address the forward positions, Alex. I mean, what? what degree would you want to give up assets at this stage with how this team is performing to try and secure your small forward or power forward of the future?
2: Yeah, I think at this stage, those guys you just named, you know, McDaniels, Vanderbilt, even last week, you know, we were talking about Obi. I think those names are more realistic just because, you know, you look at the Knicks apparently offering three first-round picks for Ananobi, right? Like, are the paces going to be that heavy of a buyer? I don't think so. Kevin Pritchard kind of seemed like he wanted to just play it out this year. So I think, you know, if you can get a Vanderbilt for cheap, if you can get a McDaniels for cheap, who's also a free agent, if you want to go that route, like that to me is the more realistic option. But in terms of price, I mean, I don't know, doing any deal with Danny Ainge is sus because he's going to ask for, for your whole team and then 21st round picks as well. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I still think Obi Toppin is my guy. Like, out of all the names I've seen, I just think in terms of price, the Knicks don't really seem to value him. I don't know if you guys see that differently. He plays like ten minutes, and then Tibbs is like, "No, nah, you've had enough, mate." So, I don't know. What What about you, Justin? You still on Obi or any other names?
0: Yeah, I am. I actually agree with the little thing you said there, and I thought it today seeing Kevin Pritchard's well Miles Turner's press conference is. I don't think they're going to make moves now. From what he was saying, it sounded like this team's set. Whether he was just saying that because half the team was in attendance first row and he didn't want to you know, act like he was trading away the players, there's probably a bit of that as well. But, yeah, it sounded like he didn't, like the paces are going to kind of move forward with this roster. You know, I love Buddy Hield. I think he's been great for the team and a uh, lights-out shooter. I love a good three-point shooter. But we've mentioned Adam, like he's... His all-time value – his value is at an all-time high right now. I don't think it's been yeah. higher ever. Yep. If you ever want to trade him in the next two weeks would be when you do it. Um, like I said, a playoff team would really like him. I think Goga's gone. Um, I think they'll come to a mutual agreement. You know, Goga's got no future with Indiana, unfortunately. He's now third slash fourth string. So, uh, Miles is here for – Immediate to long term future, I think Goga's gone. But yeah, we players we want. Um Yeah, I'm still a, still on top. And I some of the it's funny, right? People like the NBA Twitter sphere, you know, oh, oh, pays want a first round draft pick for Miles Turner. That's ridiculous. But then Charlotte <laughs> are wanting a first round draft pick for Mason Plumlee, and the
2: Spurs want two for Pirtle. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like all these.
0: Like, players that aren't as good as Pacers, Buddy and Miles Turner, all these teams are wanting, you know, I think Ananobi, like, I hate to be the old man out. Three first-round draft picks for him is ridiculous. Like, understand people... Not he's not an all-star. And... No, what's he done in his career? Like, he's a top three D guy in the league. I understand that. And I know Pacer fans really want him. But three first-round picks, I'm sorry. I'm only, playing, I'm only doing that for a superstar.
2: He's also expiring next year, I believe. So, I don't know. It's a weird one.
1: Yeah, it does make it tough because, you know, you're right. Obviously, he's he's a really good man defender, but he hasn't made an all-star team. He's not a 22, 23, 24 points per game sort of a guy. And three first-rounders, I mean, even if you as the Pacers were to throw in the Boston and Cleveland first-rounders and provide a future heavily protected pick, Toronto probably aren't uh, saying yes to that because there's no high draft picks in that deal. And yet you're giving up so many assets. This is your big swing for the fences sort of trade. And as as high as we've been on OG the last few shows, I, I just, I find it hard to stomach that we'd have to not only trade the Boston Cleveland pick, but another one of our picks. Like if you, if you could include Duarte, Jackson, that sort of piece with two of those lower picks, then sure, you can... Definitely convinced me, but once again, are Toronto taking that deal? Probably not. So you're sort of up against a rock and a hard place because other teams value their players so highly and want so much back for them that uh, it, it almost makes it impossible to, to part with them. Toronto are in a really interesting position because they could choose to make a push for the play-in and they have arguably more talent in terms of games played and veteran sort of leadership than the Pacers do. So they're in a position with only, I think they're only one game behind the Pacers to make a a much better run than Indiana are deep into the season, particularly if guys like Mathurin and Nemhard sort of hit the rookie wall at some point over the next month. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out, but I'd be really shocked if Toronto were to part ways with one of their big uh, stars in Siakam or Van Vliet or Ananobi because they don't seem like a team that will lose enough games to go for Wembana or Scoot, but they seem like a team that could sneak into a playoff position and get more games into, you know, their their core and add to it in the summer. I thought they may have been a turner team because they have such a glaring needed center. I mean Siakam has been playing center for big parts of this season Uh, and that's not necessarily going to match it with the best teams in the league. Uh, But Ananobi can match it with the best power forwards in the league and the best players in the East all tend to play that that position as well. So, you know, it's an interesting one for me in that you want a guy that can defend that position, but you also don't want to give up three first-round picks. I want to talk about... Benedict Matherin because, Justin, we were talking before the show and, and you know, we, we have to reference what he's doing in the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. Now, the wins aren't there, of course, but five games scoring over 20 points in a row and even though we've only won one of those five games with a win against Chicago, uh, it's still really impressive what he's doing to lead this side from an offensive perspective, on a lot of nights and be a consistent scoring threat. This is what you wanted to see from him. A couple of episodes ago, we spoke about the number of minutes he's playing. He's over 30 minutes a game, every single one of those contests. So that sort of goes back to what you were saying. There were some games that he was at 22, 23 minutes earlier in the month. So it seems like Rick Carlisle has taken the training wheels off over the last week or so and said, Okay, kid, go out there and try and win us some games. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if that doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet bet back. Benedict Matherin scored over 20 points five games in a row so I'd be throwing that into my same game parlay. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details.
0: He's, I think he's going to be a star in this league. Like, 20. He's averaging 24 points his last five games for six rebounds. And, you know, there's no stouch. They're coming in losses as well against, you know, your Milwaukee's, your Memphis's. Paces haven't actually played that well, but Mathurin's been by by far and away the best player. Um, He's doing all this without Halliburton setting him up, you know, for threes and drives. He's kind of making offense on his own a bit. I know TJ McConnell does some nice passes to him, but um, yeah, I couldn't be more impressed with Mathurin. I, I feel like he's the Rookie of the Year. I don't really understand how everyone's like, oh, Banchero's easily won it. Orlando, terrible. Mathurin just won that head-to-head matchup against uh, Banchero. Pacers have a better record. And he's been in, you know, bigger crunch time moments than Banchero has. I don't know if it's just my bias but I don't understand how the media have just said, no, Banchero's won Rookie of the Year. What, What do you think, Alex?
2: Well, I don't know if I'll go there, but I'm more mad about the six man of the year race. Yeah, he's either or throwing everyone's Yeah, I mean I I just like Westbrook, I get it, he plays for the Lakers, he's a big name. But I'm seeing everyone's name. I mean, Adam, we were talking about it uh, we were talking about it the other day and you know, you said Norman Powell, I think was was above him. So I mean yeah, it's just bizarre to me. I think he's clear cut at least top two. You can't have him below top two in Rookie of the Year race, and then six man. I think uh, you guys have to agree, like he's a candidate, right? At least top three. I mean, yeah, I don't understand how he's not even in the top five or six in the betting odds. And uh, in, in terms of this stretch, I mean, what what did you say? Twenty four a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. He's doing it off the bench, right? Like it, when you talk about him versus Paolo. Paolo's the first option on that team. Matherin's coming off the bench, and some nights he'd be lucky to get 22, 23 minutes. So, yeah, I don't think it's as clear-cut as everyone else was saying, but in terms of, of what he's doing as a rookie, it's special. And, yeah, we were talking about it before the show, who, who's been better as a rookie as a pacer, maybe Clark Kellogg and Chuck Person 40 years ago. That's how long you have to, you have to go
1: back which is crazy across the history of this franchise, across the ABA and NBA that, you know, this could be the re- the best rookie year of any Pacer for, you know, in my lifetime, in any of our lifetimes. I'm the oldest, so I can say that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's, he's just doing things that you don't see a player do at his age for this ball club. Historically, the Pacers have kind of let rookies develop over that first year or two, and they haven't really given them too much in terms of uh, ownership of the offense and the ability to do what he's done, the number of shots that he's getting, the trust that Rick Carlisle shows in him to be able to you know, have 17, 18, 20 field goal attempts in a game. When have you seen the Pacers give a rookie the ability to shoot that number of times? And you know, it's, it's the best of both worlds for us, frankly, because not only is he uh, delivering great scoring results, we're also losing. And frankly, we need to lose a bit more this year. We need to get a lottery pick in mm-hmm. and ideally fill one of those forward spots and then use all that cap space uh, on on the other position. And that's probably another point I want to touch on that I didn't touch on with Miles earlier. The great thing about giving him all the cap space this season and having all of those rookie contracts is that we've got all that cap space next season too. We've got very little change in terms of our cap space from this year to next year because there's no extensions kicking in there's no large raises kicking in for next season so we were 30 odd million dollars under the cap at different points this season we'll be well well under the cap again next season which just gives more roster flexibility gives us the ability to you know if there's a, a team that gets a slightly higher pick and wants to do a salary dump we can facilitate that sort of deal if there's a way to move up in the draft or get a talented player there's so many more options available to us and kevin pritchard's spoken about optionality justin i mean this is the perfect situation and the perfect summer coming up for the paces if they find themselves with another top 10 pick find themselves with upwards of 20 30 million dollars of cap room uh, and then get in a position where they've got two other first round picks to play with i mean they could make almost any deal they wanted.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I really think they need to hit that lottery one more season. I don't think they're going to use the Cleveland and Boston and the Houston pick if we get that. I think they'll probably offload one or two of them. They'll keep their own pick. I think, yeah, maybe the Boston and Cleveland picks might be on the move in some sort of deal, whether that be in the next few weeks or off-season or draft night or, or what have you. But um, I, I do, you know, I, I, it's so hard watching Pacer games because I think the most of the fans would probably be in the same boat now where losses aren't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, the start of the season was great. It was kind of a honeymoon period with Halliburton and Heald and they were so good to watch. I mean, they're still entertaining to watch now even when they lose. But um, I think fans are pretty good, you know, knowing what's best for the team right now and you know that 10th playing spot's going to come down to you know your Washington, your Toronto or your Indiana maybe Chicago getting that final ninth and 10th spot and Alex I just don't think this team really needs to do a play tournament loss right now I feel like we can get in the lottery have 5-10% to 10% chance of getting Wemby and if we don't we've got so much flexibility
2: Yeah well I will say the only silver lining to me if the Pacers do get a play in is that you guys kind of touched on it there. Even if you end up 13th or 14th in the lottery, you can trade up, right? Like you have two first-round picks that aren't yours. You have the 31st from Houston. Like if you want to move up into the top six or seven, I think you have the ammo to do that. But yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. I mean, you look at the the Tankathon right now, I think like what, one game or so back from the Seagot? So I mean, we're, we're almost at that, uh, you might be lucky enough to get one, two or three, but you're probably looking at, at five or six. And there are some guys there. I mean, it's too early to, to talk about names. There are a lot of forwards in this draft that I like. As Adam said, you know, that's a position that you need to touch on. And Adam, I know you're big on this. Having three guys in your starting lineup who are on rookie deals, that would be massive. That would be massive, especially if you want to go after that star player to pair with, you know, Tyrese and, and Matherin and Turner.
1: It just means that you can trade for a guy that's on 30 or even $40 million and barely blink an eye because you've got effectively 20 million committed to Turner and then among your three other rookie deals, you've probably got 15 to 20 million combined with your other three starters. So if you look at your starting five as making up about 70 odd percent of your salary cap, which would be about $100 million, then... You, uh, you've got Turner making 20, you've got the other three stars effectively making 20, you've got 60 to play with. So you can trade for any player on any salary and have your starting lineup kind of equal what you need it to. And that's where at this summer, if we're able to get that top five, six pick, I'd like to see us get an OG at that point. I'd like to see us go after you know, pay nothing for a Tobias Harris's contract that only has a year or two left. To try and target these forwards that, you know, their, their teams might not win a championship. They might be looking to go in a different direction. They might have to pay guys more money, like Harden obviously can opt out this year. So you've got a few guys around the league. I mean, even if Denver doesn't win a title, do they want to part with Michael Porter Jr.? Do we want to take a chance on him?
2: I was going to throw in Wiggins there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Wiggins has obviously been a really good player for Golden State, it, it remains to be seen if he can be a good player outside of that sort of system with that sort of talent around him, but is it worth a shot because you're not paying anyone else any money? Sure, maybe. I mean, do you do you sell the farm? Do you say, okay, we've got two picks this season? And I've said it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you get the top, if you get a six pick, for example, you've got the six pick, the 20th pick and the 28th pick and the 31st pick and Duarte and Isaiah Jackson and future picks and future pick swaps. How many first rounders and pick swaps would it take to get Anthony Edwards? How many are we talking? Three picks from this draft, three more picks and three pick swaps. Are we talking six first round picks and three pick swaps? Would you do that? I would. I absolutely would. I mean, you you have to consider that sort of a deal, right? If you if you could get and Anthony Edwards, if you can get guys on teams that need to reset uh, and need to reimagine what they're doing over the next number of years, then you have to consider the fact that that is on the table. You might might not have a player that you want at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, but you might have an all-star that you can go out and get. There might be a team like you know, Phoenix. What are Phoenix doing? Are they blowing it up? They've got Chris Paul? They've got DeAndre Asian underperforming? Do they want to get rid of, you know, any one of their, you know, promising young guys? Uh do Houston wanna take a different direction? Do like what what different teams around the league are willing to part with star caliber talent for a huge haul of draft picks and concessions and young guys that could turn into something i mean you could probably get bradley bill for all three of our picks and not much else given he's making 50 million dollars over the next few years but you can afford to pay him that justin like that's you have to start thinking about the fact that all-stars need to be paired with these young kids to show them how to you know be a super professional winning nba player now bradley bill is not a winning nba player but other guys that are, you know, have won or won championships or gone close, do you consider it?
0: Yeah, I think we're one good lottery pick away and another good player from becoming really high in the Eastern Conference standings. I had to be careful how worded that, but <laughs> I, I feel like I don't want to use the word contending or anything like that, but I feel like one more season of being poor and then we just need a bit of a free agency hit. Hopefully Halliburton can... Help on the the pitching there, and then I think we've got that core six seven guys where we start contending. And I'd love to know who the pace is targeting. Obviously, they try to get to Eaton. That's a big ups to Miles Turner. That would have hurt his feelings. You know, yeah. we essentially said we do not want you. We are going to try and replace you with a center we think is better. Most some players would have went in testament to Miles. Now nah, I'm out. Like. No, nah, this team doesn't want me. He's obviously gotten over that, signed his contract, and, you know, happy days. But, yeah, I'd love to know who they're targeting in the summer. We've got all this um, cap space to use in the next few years. So um, I'm sure they've got eyes on someone. And, you know, if we were able to sit down with Aiton and him actually sign the contract with us, let's hope that can help us in the future and have some more sit-downs with some potential All-Stars.
1: You have to consider those options and you have to make yourself available to those options and realize that you can pretty much trade for almost anyone that could be available. Um, So heading into the next week or so, Pacers find themselves now in 11th position in the conference. They're half a game behind Chicago, who are now in 10th, they're 24 and 28. Uh, They are in free fall effectively to end the month of January. So moving in uh, to February, Lakers, Sacramento, Cleveland, Miami, Phoenix are the next five games. Alex, what is a realistic record for the Indiana Pacers in the next five games?
2: Oh, man. Um, what did you i say Tyree's back next week or- This week. At the end of this week? Uh or I'll, 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 I'll give us two and three. I'll give us two and three. What about you, Justin?
0: Yeah, I think two and three is reasonable. I feel like we're going to lose to the Lakers, beat Sacramento, because, you know, Hield and Tyrese will really want to win that game because the last time they played Sacramento was a terrible showing. So I think they'll get up for that Kings game and maybe, uh, I'll say, lose. Lose to
1: the Cavaliers, lose to the Heat, but beat the Suns. Adam? Yeah, I would have said one and four for me. I think, you know, (laughs) you're playing so much talent over the next week or so and so many teams that are desperate to improve their overall position, like Phoenix, who hasn't started well, but has just smacked us a little while ago. Uh, The Lakers... Uh, have greater talent, and Tyrese probably won't be back for that one. Sacramento, I imagine, is where they're probably targeting his return uh, on the second night of a back-to-back. So, yeah, I can see us winning that game. But Cleveland have been so impressive this season. Miami, we always struggle with, and Phoenix, a lot of talent. So I'm I'm picking us to probably go one and four. I'm a little bit less bullish than you guys. That would put us at 25 and 32 on the season. Uh, which would be probably getting down toward uh, being overtaken by Toronto and then into that bottom four of the East. Uh, And from there, we'd probably be around the sixth position in the uh, the lottery rankings, which I think Tyrese can lift us up from there, uh, pending him staying healthy throughout the rest of the season. So I don't think we'll stay in that position necessarily, but... um, I wouldn't be sad if we did for some reason stay in that position because I think we're all in agreement that one more draft pick, one big swing for the fence trade, and this team all of a sudden is in big, big business over the next couple of years. If you hit on a draft pick, get an OG and an OB in with a bunch of draft picks going the other way, the world's your oyster. Basically, you've got Four, three four seasons where you can be a contending team in the Eastern Conference which is a very exciting prospect for this Pacers team that's been the Paceroos thanks so much for listening to us and we'll be back to you next week